Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. <laughs> We're back. Yeah. Again. Let's do it. It's uh, We are starting a cult. We're here with our crazy part two back <laughs> to uh, the Skinwalker Ranch where the, you know, all the fucking All the stuff from last on. week happened, yeah. It's crazy. There's orbs and there's monsters and there's scariness and a whole Cows lots of with things. their assholes cored out. It's funny. All these things. It's me. I'm back. Uh, Jake's here along with uh, Mr. Mitch. Yep. It's Grant, it Jake, is. and Mitch. It is. Mitch yeah. Mitch is sitting right next to me. What's up? Smells like a Funyun, and he's ready to party. Oh, yes. I like that. Um, yeah, so we left off with uh, Tom and Ellen and Tad and their... Uh, Wacky adventures the, on the, the unknown, ranch. The unnamed sister, whoever that is. And the crazy <laughs> cattle mutilations and the just a, just a lot of yeah. weird stuff. I like, I like how you make it sound so, uh, I don't know. You're like, oh, the wacky adventures. These guys are like, no, it's actually very traumatizing and terrible that this happened. But no, it's, it's, well, it's, We're going to get into that today. It's uh, very emotionally and economically... Uh, foreboding it's devastating yeah so uh what we're gonna do today just a little just a little, just a little overview of where we're gonna take you today we're gonna finish up the uh some of the encounters that the gormans had and then we're going to move into what occurs after that and how everything unfolds and believe it or not it gets even more ridiculous all right it gets fucking crazier some than you can imagine perspectives on the crazy things and uh yeah we're gonna take you some weird places and uh this is part two uh, now that we've kind of gotten things narrowed down, it will. We're looking right now at a four-part series. Probably, I think, yeah, four. <laughs> definitely. Because I, uh, I'm up to a point where I want. I mean, I could take us to like the end of a part two and only have one part after this, but it's it's way too much. It's far too no, much information. That would, yeah. It'd be time. it's too much. It's mind-boggling, and it's just—it's not fair to anybody involved. So this will be, <laughs> as of right now, it will be a four-part series because that's what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, be good. why don't we we'll, we'll get Let's back into in. the Gorman family extravaganza? Yeah. yeah so uh, on our last uh, episode, we left off with the uh, cow mutilations that were starting to happen on the Gorman Ranch, right? Mm-hmm. Or Sherman Ranch, Skinwalker Ranch. It's Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're the Gormans. Yeah. Well, cow mutilations—they're not necessarily unique to Skinwalker Ranch. Um, like, they date back to pretty far in, in the past. According to researcher Tommy Blanc, uh, precise and unsolvable uh, livestock mutilations date back to 1810 in England and Scotland. Mm-hmm. And according to Jacques Vallée, in the 1890s, a farmer uh, witnessed a cigar-shaped craft dangling one of his cows from a thick cord while hovering over 40 feet in the air. And, yeah, the cow was found the next day. Uh, extremely cut up and burned across yeah. the street. It was across yeah. the street. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, fun fact. Uh, Matt was throwing facts at us earlier. He's not here, but he's throwing random facts at us. This is in the book. Uh, the first documented cattle mutilation was in nowhere else but Colorado. Really? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> very Just nice. Thought I'd throw, it's a little cattle <laughs> mutilation fact. Cause I don't, there you I don't go. get to throw those out very often, but here I do. Yeah, now there's a list of things you can say about cattle mutilations. Yes. All right, so yeah, uh, yeah. Though they were not unique to Skinwalker Ranch, uh, cattle mutilations tended to occur there with a drastically higher frequency than uh, many other places. You know. Yeah, because it happened more than twice. It did happen more than twice. It happened, uh, I think, what was it half a dozen? No, not half a dozen. Two dozen times. A couple it, dozen. It happens a lot. Lots. More than lots we want times. to. Yeah. Uh, from the nineteen from nineteen seventy to ninety four, um, when the Gormans actually moved into the ranch, police had investigated a couple dozen uh, mutilation reports on or remarkably close to the uh, ranch's property, and those are just the ones that were reported because a lot of times, like farmers and ranchers, they just didn't report these things. Yeah, it's but they more were so a... yeah they were like striking enough to be like we should probably call somebody. Yeah, it's one of those things. It it's your typical film scenario where it's like we just it, like we experienced the most ridiculous thing, but we can't like call the cops and expect them to take us seriously. So it's you pretty much just act like it didn't happen and hope that it doesn't occur anymore. Yeah, it's your best course of action. Pretty really. much, it's like all right, some of these guys are gonna die. I don't care how they died. Yeah, I but would... it, it, it gets to this point a couple dozen times. You joking? It's mm-hmm. not cool. But yeah. So uh, yeah, everything happening on the ranch did not. Uh, they didn't only affect them financially because you know their their cattle are worth like a couple thousand dollars a piece. Yeah, well, it's like uh, I, I don't know how you would put simian, simian cattle and black Angus is what they raised, hmm. which are like I, supposedly they're very. Uh, High grade and market a, price, grade A beef, and it's yeah they're they're very expensive, and when they're raised right and properly, that's a lot of money that's yeah. on the line. Many thousands of dollars, beef dollars. Yes, yeah, yeah. But so it wasn't just affecting them financially. Uh, there was an enormous amount of psychological trauma happening as well, and that uh, uh you know uh, ushers in the topic of the orbs. Yep. Many orbs were bah, being... Bah, yeah. And these, uh, I do want to say right now, these <laughs> orbs... foreboding. These are not like uh, your, oh, I saw a YouTube video with orbs. These are these are orbs. These are Harry Potter orbs. These are other <laughs> they're, they're like Dementor orbs. Yeah, there was, there's orbs in Harry Potter? 
Yeah, I don't know. Remember they go there's into that place? There's bound to have been orbs They in go Harry into Potter. that place. It's like a giant library, and there's like a bunch of, they look like crystal balls. And they're like all falling over and shit. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they were, but. I thought you were talking about the Patronus. Like no, those, those, those aren't are, orbs. Kind of. Those are, uh, they send out like animal, like your spirit animals. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. And Skinwalker orbs. They're, they're, or, they're not orbs. I don't even know if that's the right term. They're, <laughs> they're fucking. <laughs> They're glowing. <laughs> they're glass. magic. They're glowing. They're pretty, much, they're pretty much big glowing bubbles. They're flying snow globes. Flying snow yeah. globes. Yes. They're, All right. They're they spheres. Are. Yeah. We'll get into the description. Yeah, of them, we'll, like specifically here in a second. You'll understand but, why. But yeah. So these orbs uh, started appearing. Right. One day, Tom and Ellen uh, were outside. It was one summer evening. You know, the winter was going away. They thought they'd uh, go out on the porch, enjoy their property. Let's face it, Ellen was probably going outside for a cigarette. Probably because she at just this hated point. her life and was like, this ranch is tearing me apart. Yeah. and I hate everything and I just want to murder somebody, so I'm going to have a cigarette. Out here on the porch, where she can watch the cattle and horses graze, right? With her, with her good that, husband, Tom. That is very peaceful. Yeah, but deny. suddenly, they noticed, uh, yeah, a lot of the animals were becoming restless. And, uh, yeah, then Tom suddenly spots this bright blue orb flying along the tree line. Zoom! Yeah. That's what it says. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, eventually the orb emerges, uh, from the tree line and begins to circle the head of one of the horses. And the horse is kind of just, like, shaking it off as if it's, like, a, a fly. You know, he's trying to, like, shoo it away with his ears or something. And, uh, Tom thought that was really weird. That he didn't get more alarmed than that. But, uh, yeah, so Tom and Ellen were just watching it occur. Uh, Tom was undoubtedly pissed off, and Ellen was uh, tense and terrified. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that why would make wouldn't sense. You be? That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, like I said, he was puzzled by the lack of uh, alarm that the animals were displaying, because supposedly, usually, these blue orbs made them uh, uneasy. So these aren't like a... This happens all the time, apparently, because he's like, oh, the blue orbs usually freak him out. And that's fucking weird. And this time they're calming. Yeah, I don't know. The blue orbs are welcome here. But, uh, yeah, so the orb suddenly speeds uh, towards the Gormans, uh, where they're sitting, you know, in their, their porch. And it stops about 20 feet away from them, uh, floating about 15 feet in the air. And apparently this was the closest, like, sight that the Gormans had ever had of... The actual orbs. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. One thing that reminds me of uh, these uh, blue orbs in the story is that... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of his name. Is it Corey Good? Grant, you might be able to back me up here. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 the, yeah. the, the one cosmic those, disclosure guy. Yeah, well, uh. it's one of those guys who has, you know... Nothing. Nothing normal has happened in his life. You know, every story. He was part of crazy. like. He was part of that like covert space operation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> talks about blue sphere beings. Yeah. It's like blue orbs. Huh? Blue sphere beings. Yeah. I just it just reminded blue me of that. Blue sphere beings. Well, here's a little a little descriptor of them. Uh, apparently, because uh, you know this was the closest that they'd ever seen it. They actually got a good look. Uh, it was apparently two to three times as large as a baseball, which I feel like is a roundabout way of saying maybe it was the size of a bowling ball, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, but I've I heard, you know, uh, it's like <laughs> they always, they typically say it's larger than a baseball and smaller than a basketball. 
So somewhere that's a bowling that, ball, yeah. dude. That's definitely a bowling ball. Somewhere in that region. Yeah, they didn't have bowling out. I think like range. a like a volleyball would be a good one. Yeah, like that a, too. Yeah, like a maybe maybe like a softball with with a sheet wrapped with around gigantism. it. Gigantism. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Something like that. Anyway, it was about that size. Uh, its outer shell was clear, not unlike glass, and it seemed to be encasing a swirling incandescent blue fluid. And it looked like uh, water that was like just beginning to boil, apparently. And uh, it wasn't completely silent. It gave off uh, very faint and like intermittent crackling noises, like uh, like static. You know, like static TV. Or you touch your sock and it hurts you. Like that? Yeah, like that. It was. We don't have a sound guy, exa- so I have to do Dude, the you're, sounds. you're doing a good job. You're like that guy from uh, Police Academy. Yeah, I'm just not as talented. It's okay. Don't sell yourself short. I'm trying here, people. You're succeeding. Anyway, uh, both Tom and Ellen reported experiencing uh, the most visceral and intense fear in that moment that they've ever experienced in their lives. Yeah. For some reason. Well, I mean, it's kind of scary. But either way, in any case, uh, yeah, Ellen turned on her flashlight at one point because they were both just paralyzed in fear, but she found the strength to turn on a flashlight. And the orb quickly darted into cover of a nearby tree as if avoiding the flashlight's beam, and it disappeared uh, behind their house. Yeah? Yeah, it went behind their house, so that's... I believe that. It's not even gone. But yeah, so both Ellen and uh, Tom dropped to their knees. Apparently Tom was, uh, like, all the adrenaline that was being pumped through his body the entire time uh, actually kind of, like, he realized it. Because he was pretty much... Uh, just stuck. He was stuck there in fear. But uh, he began breaking out in a cold sweat, and he was, like, shaking. So him and Tom, uh, no, him and Ellen, they both fell to their knees. And uh, Tom was consoling Ellen while she was repeating, we have to leave this place, we have to leave this place. And Tom was just kind of nodding absently, kind of getting back into the reality of the situation. And uh, both were near their breaking points. So, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, come on. You can't just have that stuff coming up on your yard. Oh, and you'll see, he, Tom is going to get to his breaking point. He today. is, and <laughs> it's fucking nuts. It's, it's a breaking point and a half. It's yeah. fucked up. It's yeah. awesome. And two hours after this, after this orb scenario, uh, Tom and Ellen were, uh, they were uh, sitting in their house, right, in the living room, and uh, Tom and Ellen saw the blue orb again. Outside their living room window, it it uh, drifted lazily uh, past the window, and as it did, every light in the house drastically dimmed. So there was like a glowing yellow all throughout the house. Nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like a weird, like the Drake and Josh episode where uh, the aliens are there, and they get the. They, <laughs> I forgot about that remember, episode. And they get the lights to shut off and shit, and they're yeah. all freaking out, kind of like that. Yeah, it sounds like a party to me. Yeah, just, yeah. it honestly alien, sounds pretty good. Alien disco, bitch. That's what we're working with. <laughs> alien disco, bitch. All right. Maybe an alien. We don't know. <laughs> it might. We're it, putting that on a t-shirt. No, that that should be on a t-shirt. But anyway, yeah. So that, that tramp stamped, like, right above my ass. Alien disco, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, Tom and Ellen rushed to the door, and apparently they witnessed the orb passing... Um, they're now extremely dim yard light, and it disappeared uh, into the tree line. And as it disappeared, the yard light and the house lights all returned to their normal brightness. 
That's fucked up. And neither of them slept that much. And this is a quote from the book. Uh, Ellen cried a lot. Yeah, I you would know? believe that. I would probably, probably cry, too. horrified. Dude, if I see, like, a giant bug outside of my house, I stay up sometimes. And it's like, what if that thing was here? What if What if he's, he came in the door behind me? What if that thing was in here? You're seeing magnificent orbs, possibly from other planets or dimensions, just eyeballing you and fucking following you and shit. I'd cry. Yeah. I, yeah. I would cry. Yeah. The bugs, dude. I've been up lately just thinking, like, oh, it's cold. Now all the, all the, all the bugs are going to be dead. But no, that just means they're all in my house. Yeah, they're hiding. That's yeah, terrible. Those fuckers, and wasps, and dude, it's like. An then in- I get very aware of my like bed sheets. So I'm like, is that my uh-huh. sheet or is that a spider? Dude, that's hey. like in England. I was reading this thing, and they said like, I didn't know this. I guess it's not talked about enough here. What? But apparently, like when seasons change, they get like these massive spiders in their house, like these massive fucking spiders, and it happens every year because they like they live outside, and then when it gets cold, like they go into the houses. So people are just flooded with these giant fucking spiders, like the size of your palm. And they're just, like, in your house. There's nothing you can do, because that's just how they do it. I, Terrifying. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't live there then. Yeah. That 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 seals it. I'm never living there. It's just what happens. Yeah. Well, I just had wasps uh, infest my room. Yeah, you so. did. <laughs> like 30 wasps inside your curtain. Yeah, there's like 30 or 40 wasps in my room. It was fucking nuts. That's not cool, man. That's not cool, man. That's, that's not awesome. Yeah. Speaking of things that aren't awesome, uh, by the end of June in uh, 1996, stories and rumors about the ranch uh, were being spread, and eventually the media became involved. And as a result of these stories and rumors, the Gormans began having a lot of unsolicited and unwelcome guests appear on their land. So, Grant, let's have you talk about this this guy. This one's the shit. This guy. This is literally the shit. Um, okay, so the next day, uh, or not, well, maybe not the next day, they say soon it was after. one day so shortly days. after, yeah. So a couple days, we'll say a couple days after this blue orb uh, was like infesting their area, right? Tom and Tad are outside doing their thing, and they see a pickup truck coming down like the, the gravel road. And uh, Tom runs up to it, and he's like, hey, man, like this private property, you've got to get out of here, blah, blah, blah. We can't have you here. Like, we're sorry. This isn't... We're not turning this house into, like, a fucking freak show. Yeah. And the guy, like... I guess the guy seemed very, like, kind and sweet. was just like, hey, man, like, I'm not here to, like, poke and prod. He's like, I've heard some stories, and, like, I just want to, like, come here and meditate. And they're... Tom and Ted, like, kind of look at each other. They're just like, this guy. Can you believe this guy? And after a couple minutes, Tom's like, all right, fine. Let's go. So, uh, they pretty much... They're cool with it. They get in the car... And uh, they uh, they drive into the ranch a little bit. Uh, the guy finds a spot. It's just a little pasture with uh, some trees. And uh, so he stops the car. He walks uh, about 100 yards or so. And uh, Tom and Tad are kind of just hanging out by the car. And this guy, you know, he plops down, gets in, assumes the position, right? And he's just, oh, um, um. They said he had his, his, like, arms spread out like angels. Yeah, he's like doing, in, like, in old paintings. The hardcore meditation thing. So he's sitting there, and Tom and Tad are kind of just snickering to each other, kind of back and forth, like, ah, oh, this guy is such a goofball. And then uh, out of nowhere, they hear uh, cowbells. And they're they're both, like, startled right away. And you might think that, oh, you know, they have a bunch of cattle, but none of the cattle have cowbells on. 
and Tom knows this. So this instantly is like, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here? And uh, he kind of scans around, and it they're just like, this is very strange. I don't know what to do. And the guy just keeps meditating. Not, not bothered by this at all. He doesn't seem to out. hear it, yeah. And uh, he Tom looks over to the trees, and he sees a blur. And what that blur is, it's um, almost like light reflecting off something. And like so, the best way to describe it would be the predator monster in his cloak when he's uh, invisible. Yeah, you know, something like that. And don't worry, I'll, I'll cover. I'll cover this later. But th- that's what he sees: this giant ball of like invisible light like, bending, like blur. half pixelated, like heat wave behind. Yeah, this. It's, like it's crazy. He's just like this is very weird. And he's kind of looking at it, and this thing starts, like, full-on sprinting. And it's sprinting right for the dude that's meditating. Like, it's coming at him. And it never gets any clearer. It's still that blurry, kind of, like, wavy, weird-looking mirage. Yeah. And and this thing is big. It's not, like, small. No, it's... It's, not, it's, it's enormous. And, it's hauling And uh, Tom actually said, like, later on that he thought it was going probably, like, 50 or 60 miles an hour. Yeah, no, this thing's hauling ass, and it's running right towards the dude meditating. And Tom is kind of panic-stricken, kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. And before he could, like, scream out to the guy and be like, hey, man, watch out, the thing stops inches in front of him, like, inches and it just lets out this fucking scream, this like roar, this dinosaur Jurassic Park scream that would probably have the trees rattle. And no, yeah, it echoed throughout the entire basin. Yeah, uh, Tom said it sounded like a mixture of a bear and a lion, but extremely loud. Yep, and it just freaked out. Uh, and then it disappeared. It turned around, boom, ran back into the trees. The dude meditating fell over, pants shittingly scared. Freaking out, uh, Tom runs over there, and the dude, who uh, he he's a six foot two guy, he's a big man. He jumps up and just starts hugging Tom, and he's just like, will not let go, just like squeezing him, squeezing him, squeezing just him, sobbing, until Tom actually has to tell him, if you don't let go of me, I'm going to shoot you. Not shoot. He said, "I'm going to hit you." Oh yeah, I'm sorry. not That's shoot you. No, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. He threatened him. I mean, it was it wasn't like a real threat anyway. It was like no, it know, was just kind of like I. You need to let go. It was one of those threats, like, oh, come on, man, come on. Yeah. So the guy's like, all right, fine, I'll let go of you if you let me get back to my car and let me get the fuck out of here. And the funny, because I, I reread this part just to make sure, like, a couple times, it sounds like he literally didn't let Tom go until he got him back to his car. Yeah. So he was just hanging on to him the entire, mm-hmm. like, drive back. And uh, so they get him back, and... uh. Tom and Tad get out of the car, and they're watching this dude. This dude's full speed ahead, just, like, going over this, like, dirt road. And even Tom kind of laughs. He's like, I really hope that dude, like, slows down. Like, he's going to get onto a county road over here. Like, he shouldn't be going that fast. So whatever. They're both very shaken up, and they're kind of just like, that was strange. And then later that night, uh, coming back to what I said earlier, Tom and Tad are in the house. And they're watching a nice little movie. And that movie happens to be Predator. And they're watching this movie, right? They're just having fun. And then the scene happens where uh, the Predator goes invisible. And it has the exactly the, like, camouflage. that like weird light-bending mirage-type look to it. And Tom and Tad both like look at each other and just scream, that's what we just saw. Like That was yeah. in our yard. <laughs> and that was when they were just like, 
what the fuck what is going on? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Tom actually, uh, up until this point, he'd, he'd like kind of toyed around with the idea that maybe he was seeing like military technology being tested or whatever. But I mean, there's obviously a bunch of holes in that, but he was trying to convince himself of that. But this made him realize, he's like, well, why would a military test emit such like an animalistic roar? And why, I don't know, why would it be here? He's like, this is just not okay. Right. Yeah, and some of that that theory, uh, that actually comes back around. And we'll talk about that yeah. probably in part three. But uh, there's a lot of arguments against why this would be military. Mm. I do have a question, though. Mm. So what did this thing look like exactly? You said it was like a swirling It It, it was thing? basically just like a blur. It had like that sort of... Mitch, have you ever seen The Predator? You're not seeing yeah. the... Uh, yeah. You know when it goes invisible and it's like yeah. see-through but not? That's like you exactly can see that it's something, saw. but like oh, okay. you can't necessarily but it see it. It wasn't like the outline of something humanoid. Kind right? of was, yeah. It had legs and it was big. They oh. just couldn't. It said it was like a blur was. that was moving. Oh, okay. Extremely fast it, towards okay. this guy. At least to me, what I kind of envisioned—maybe this is just my head—I envisioned an invisible Bigfoot. That's like what I kind of envisioned. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I think it was the predator. Like That's a big. It, it yeah, may have been of, the predator like monster. Big ass fucking thing. It could have been, man. I don't know. It's nuts. It, yeah. Not the end of the fucked up shit, though. Because uh, in April of 1996, Tom was uh, again trying to relax on his porch, which he can never seem to do. Whenever he goes out there, something fucked up happens. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he's relaxing on the porch. He's accompanied by his three loyal dogs. They were uh, healer dogs. Yeah, good, so uh, good, good guard uh, dogs. Yeah, they, the, they kept the cattle in line. They were always very, uh, very good boys. Yeah, so uh, he he tried to enjoy the undeniable beauty of his property. But uh, he saw in the distance, about a mile from his porch, uh, an orange opening in the sky. Uh, it's the, back. Uh, yeah, the sort of dimensional portal that we talked about in the last episode. It's back. We could see a different sky. So anyway, uh, he had seen this many times in the short time that his family lived there. He often uh, looked at it through a rifle scope to get a better look at it. Uh, so anyway, he often saw, like, you know, objects coming out of these openings. He was never too alarmed. Uh, really, he just wished they would go away. Right. I'm burping. I'm sorry. And, uh, suddenly a blue, uh, glow appears from the trees. And we all know what this is, right? It's the orbs. The orb man is back. The glass and, ball. Yeah, the glass balls. And the, uh, yeah. So the dogs begin to growl, you know? As dogs do. And uh, the blue orb was moving uh, from north to south because uh, it emerged from the trees. Uh, and it was on the southern part of his property, about 300 yards away, uh, hovering, he said, less than 10 feet from the ground. And the orbs began approaching the homestead and the dogs began to bark. So normally when this would happen, because, you know, these things happen uh, pretty frequently on this ranch to Mr. Tom Gorman. Uh, he would keep the dogs in, and he would just kind of keep them by him. But this time he said he absentmindedly just sent the dogs after it, running at top speed. So these dogs are taken off, uh, trying to attack this orb. Once they got to it, they began to snap at it and, like, attempting to get it, you know. But uh, with each attempt, the orb skillfully moved just out of the way, as if it was taunting it. The orb was, it was, like, bobbing up and down, pretty much just teasing the dogs. And uh, the or he watched this for a while, like a couple minutes. This was going on, and uh, then the orb uh, began to recede into the tree line, 
and the dogs followed it in hot pursuit, right? And after the orbs and the dogs disappeared from Tom's sight in the tree line, he heard three sharp and loud yelps from his dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is kind of fucked up, right? And after waiting for them uh, to return for a couple hours, he said, uh, Tom seemingly, he, was, he said he pretty much already knew the fate of his dogs. Uh, with a heavy heart, he turned in for the day because he figured he shouldn't go out there and search at night. You know, smart idea. He's finally uh, getting rid of the night walking. But yeah, uh, he decided to investigate in the morning, <laughs> and when he did, Ew. oh god, he uh, yeah. So he went out the next day, and uh, in like a little clearing, just uh, a little bit into the tree line, he found three big brown patches of like scorched grass, and in the middle of each of these patches was like a really dark like i don't know it's like a like a gooey like grease stain they were dead they were dead they, they got were zapped they got zapped by this orb they got zapped the dogs were zapped they they were completely eviscerated all three of these healer dogs were zapped yeah and that was that was the breaking point that for was Tom breaking Gorman. Point. uh the family themselves had been broken so far that they were ready to leave yeah. and tom is a very I mean, he would have had his breaking point a little earlier if he wasn't so uh, persistent of a man. Oh, he's still very persistent. He is a very Just persistent wait. of a man. Yeah, there's uh, some more uh, evidence coming up here. Because um, after the... Okay, well, I just want to talk about this. This is a little off topic, but it's also very relevant to where we're going to go next. Um this was like a. It wasn't in the media a lot yet. It was more just kind of like word of mouth. Heard yeah, like the rumors around town. And um, a lot of people wanted to get their hands uh, in this proverbial cookie jar of Skinwalker Ranch. And um, a thing that I actually found interesting uh, when doing a lot of this research was that a lot of these companies that would look into things like this, search for paranormal things, they all kind of hated each other. Yeah. And they would often purposefully debunk each other to try and discredit them so that they could be the ones to, like, say we have the evidence so all this was going on. While this was happening, there was a man in Las Vegas named Robert Bigelow who was a just a very rich man who was one day was just like, dude, fuck this. I'm going to start my own. So he started the NDIS, the National Institute or NIDS, sorry, NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Science. And um what they did is they Robert Bigelow purchased the ranch from Tom Gorman. And he also purchased about three-quarters of his cattle just as a sign of good faith of, like, I don't want them, but, like, you've had enough problems, so here, yeah. here take some cash. And what was his, like, philosophy in starting his own thing? It was like, uh, if you need, if you want to catch the biggest fish, go to where the least fishermen are or something? Pretty much. So he's like, all right, there's this new hot, hot ranch coming up. And he was very about, uh, like, factual evidence. Like, he didn't want... People relaying stories. He wanted pictures and video, electromagnetic things, all of these things. Um, and uh, he actually had a team of people. Uh, they had worked on other projects. Project Hesdalon in Norway and Project Gulf Breeze in Florida, mm-hmm. which were similar cases, not as intense, but similar things. Uh, they worked in like plasma radiation theory. They worked in electromagnetic radiation. They worked with... All this crazy scientific stuff trying to capture paranormal events. 
So they do it, right? They come out, and this is when uh, Colm Kelleher and George Knapp get involved because they're working for Robert Bigelow, and they're part of this investigation. Yeah, those are the authors of the book. Yeah, so they're, Bigelow buys this ranch, and uh, Tom and his family, they move uh, a few miles uh, off the ranch. They buy uh, another piece of property. It's like 25 miles away. Yeah, and um, what Tom does is very funny. He talks to the head investigators, and he says, you know what, he's like, I want to help. Like, I'll do what you need me to do. Like, I'll tend to all the land while you guys are doing this, and, like, I want to be a part of this. And his whole philosophy was, you know, like, I paid for all this, and then whatever this shit is pushed me off my land. So, like, I'm going to figure out why. Basically, I need to know what made my life do this. So, instead of being the owner, he now is an employee of the ranch that he was just uh, the owner of. And this was the end of the summer of 96, um, when the ranch was sold. So they would come in, and uh, they start pretty much, they're just kind of like surveying the land. Uh, he shows them all the weird shit. He shows them the burn marks where the dogs were killed. He shows them the creek where the first cattle was mutilated. He shows them the places where all the other cattle got mutilated. Uh, he shows them like the perfectly dug holes in the ground, almost like uh, cookie cutters, just digging into the grass. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of skeptical, and they're talking about setting up, like, a base, and, like, we're going to put infrared cameras here, we're going to put this here, we're going to put electromagnetic scopes here, we're going to put, like, this here, we're going to bring in Geiger counters. And Tom's like, I don't think we should do any of that. He's like, I think we should really just kind of, like, play it cool, you know? Like, (laughs) the less electronics we have, the better chance we have of actually, like, capturing something strange. Mm -hmm. So... They all kind of bicker on what they're going to do, and then they eventually decide that they're going to meet somewhere in the middle where they have enough of their technology to get information and enough to kind of keep the things coming and not scare them away. Yeah. So initially things kind of slow down. Uh, They're just looking through the land. They're seeing all this weird stuff, and um, they fly back and forth, this team, the NIDS team, flies back and forth between Vegas and Utah quite often. And Tom is always there making sure that if something happens, he's on the phone. So they're just kind of setting up their shit. And um, then the NIDS team is gone. They're back in Vegas kind of doing their research. And Tom gives them a call. And this is September, October of 96. That's when I was born, dude. And he says, "You you guys should come out here. So they come out there. And uh, there's, they see that uh, there's more, like, a couple more cattle have disappeared. Uh, another two dogs of Tom's have been killed and are gone. How many dogs does this guy have, man? He went through a lot, about Lots seven. of pups. Um, and the blue orbs are back. So they're, they set up their base camp, and they actually see these orbs at night. And they're they're all kind of freaking out. They're trying to take pictures of it, and they just can't. They can't yeah. get it on camera. And now, now, not only has Tom seen him, but a couple people that have actually been there to do this research have seen him. So now they're like, this is very, very odd. Something strange is going on. Uh, more time goes on. Uh, things They kind of see things a little bit more like poltergeist activity, a lot of orbs, uh, a couple just weird things in the sky. And then in 
November of 96. Tom calls them urgently once more and says, guys, something crazy has happened. And he tells them the story about how the night previous he saw what appeared to be a giant black triangle hovering in the sky. Mm -hmm. And he said that he almost noticed that it saw him. When he walked out of his house, it turned, and it just stayed there silently until he like kind of like stepped back, and then it just went back and was kind of like hovering and floating. So what Tom did, this crazy motherfucker, gets on his stomach, and he crawls, army crawls, into the pasture, and he said he did it so slow, it took him about three hours to crawl out to a vantage point, but he didn't want to move fast so that it would like scare it off. Wow. And it just was kind of hanging out there, and it just flew away. It did some zigzags in the air, and it was gone, just into the sky. Mm -hmm. So he's like, this is just ridiculous. I don't know what to make of this. (laughs) Tom is a badass, dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He really wants to know. I don't know what to make of this. Then this is where the theory of military technology kind of starts. A lot of the researchers say, "Eh, you know, maybe this could be military, whatever, we don't know. Mm. And Tom is very insistent that uh, it seemed almost human in the sense that it reacted when he looked at it. He like he had a flashlight with him, and when he turned it on, it would kind of like jolt and like move. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was just very strange and kind of not normal of aircraft. It is interesting that all these things seem to just avoid beams of light from flashlights. Yeah. And they, it's weird. they either dim it or they just try to avoid it at all costs. But then, at the same time, all these things are happening in broad daylight. Yeah. There's almost no consistency to it. That's another thing is, though there are similar traits of things that happen on Skinwalker Ranch, they nearly never happen the same way twice. No. Like, it's it's all just fucking what they decide to do that day. Yeah. It's nuts. So after that, uh, they they have guys out there. And they, they're getting some weird stuff. Like, they're all having experiences, seeing weird stuff. Um, they saw another, like, weird shadow humanoid in the woods. And uh, that was followed by very large footprints. And then they kind of didn't know what to make of that. They're just like, this is strange. Dude, maybe it's Slenderman. That's why they're not mentioning the daughter. Maybe she's the the, the girl that stabbed that girl. Yeah, well, maybe. The Slenderman. You don't know. You don't Who know. knows? So the winter passes by with, uh, believe it or not, not a crazy amount of activity. There's really nothing notable until March. Um, This is when... This is 97? Yeah, March of 97. This is when something very strange occurs. Um, The NIDS team is out there, and they are actually kind of going around on different parts of the ranch. Because this is a big, big ranch. I mean, there's a lot of space to cover. So they're away from the homestead, just kind of looking at the property. And Tom is with Ellen, and they're just kind of looking at their cattle. And they're Ellen pretty much says to Tom in so many words, I would be devastated if anything happened to these animals. And there's five bulls in the, in the pen. They get in their truck, and they drive up the road. Uh, 20 minutes later, when they come back, they have this weird sense of fear. They don't know what's going on. And all the bulls are gone. They're all gone. It's mm-hmm. been 20 minutes. No one has seen anything. No one heard anything. They're like, this is fucking weird. 
Tom gets out, runs towards the pen, and uh, there's a, I don't know what you would call it, I guess it would be like a corral. It's like a a big metal shed. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like what you would hitch to a trailer and put an animal in. Yeah, basically. And he runs up and he notices that something's weird, and he can see that all five bulls are in this corral, mm-hmm. in this tiny, tiny cramped corral. And this was mind-blowing to him because, first off, uh, according to Tom, I mean, who this is his fucking life. He this said, is all he does, and he's just trying to figure out what is fucking up his life. He said that getting one bull into that would take about an hour and a half because it's a bull. It doesn't want to go into a confined space. Yeah. So the act of getting four or five bulls into one pen in 20 minutes is out of the question. It's impossible. Yeah, one could say it's uh, bullshit. It is. It's literally impossible. Yeah. Um, and the other strange thing is that the door is still bolted shut with a padlock that he had had on all winter. Mm-hmm. They get the padlock opened, and all the bulls are in there, and they're not moving. They're very silent. Uh, he describes it as they're almost in a daze. They're not moving. They're just kind of like, there's shit all over the floor. They're just Bullshit, doing yes, all right. He opens the door, and as he's looking, they all snap out of it, and they all start freaking out. They're ramming into each other. They're trying to all get out the door at once. They eventually, they break open the back door and just kick out the steel sheet, and then they spill back into the pen. And they're all like, what the fuck? Uh... George, this was 20 minutes, right? Yeah, 20 And he said minutes. to get one in there, it would take an hour and a half. Roughly. There or was more. five of them in there. Yeah. So George Knapp... And they picked a lock. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's looking at it, and he, he's trying to find a reasonable explanation. And the one thing that really sticks out to him is, obviously, the door was locked. He saw that. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes to investigate, he notices that where the door is, there's only one door on this thing. And where that door is, it's full of cobwebs that, like, drape over the door. And they're all undisturbed because Tom never went into it. He just opened the door. So, like, he makes a good point. He was like, even if someone got them in there, it would pull all those cobwebs down because they have to walk through them to get in there. And they didn't. They were all still intact all the way from the ceiling to the floor. So we either have hyper-efficient spiders or transporting cattle. So they bring out... Either one. They bring out their equipment, and they find that the steel rods that encase the pen are extremely magnetized, more so than possible on these rods. So they not they note that, and they're, they're taking their pictures, and they're like, this is ridiculous. Time rolls by again. A couple weeks later, uh, the NIDS team is out there. This story is very nuts. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're they're up on a ridge, and they're one of them's got a camera, an old school camera with a sixty second shutter time, and the other guy just has an infrared like binoculars, so he can kind of like see. Mm-hmm. And the orange orb appears again. The uh, the dimensional plane yeah. uh, open gate. And the guy with the the binoculars points out and says, "Hey, hey, hey, look at that." So the guy with the camera pulls it out. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it's about a two foot diameter. It's like two two feet to four feet wide, they said. In the distance? Yeah. Like it was like that hole. size to them mm-hmm. in the distance? Nice. And they're looking at it, and the guy's taking a picture, trying to take a picture of it. 
and the guy with the binoculars smacks the guy with the camera, and he's like, dude, do you fucking see that? And he's like, do I see what? And he's like, do you see that? And he's like, no. He's like, there's a guy coming out of that hole. So the dude with the camera is freaking out because he's waiting. The 60-second shutter time is at, like, 50 seconds. So he puts his hand on it and sets it to 90. He's like, we need more pictures of this. Mm Mm-hmm. The guy with the infrared is play-by-playing this, like, there's this fucking orange hole of the field. There's a black shadow, fucking army crawling out of it. And he's like, he's out. I see his arms. They're on the ground. And he's like, this guy got up. He's walking. He's walking towards the woods. He's gone. I don't see him anymore. The orange thing disappears. The camera, he finally looks at it. They have nothing. It's a <laughs> it's a black picture with a single yellow dot in the center. That's it. There you go. That, that photography at night is hard. And it is very hard. They're all freaking out. The they didn't even move. They stayed there for about thirty minutes because they were just like, "Well, you just saw a guy <laughs> crawl out of that fucking hole, like a fucking Terminator." Or and they're something. like, "If this dude comes charging at us, it's pitch black out here, and we're just like standing here, like we have nothing. Yeah. We can't move." So they they don't even know what to say. They're they're like we do not understand any of this. Yeah, and like Tom had seen things coming out of these like these uh, these orange like uh, openings before, mm-hmm. but not a, a man fully just yeah. army crawling out. A full like shadow of a man army. <laughs> just crawling. a guy appears. Um. So then a couple nights later, they're gone. They're back in Nevada. Tom calls him out again. I'm like guys. Yeah, something else. Uh, this time it was footprints, big ass footprints, and they're out in the woods. It's nighttime now. They're searching around, and they see this giant, about seven foot tall. Essentially, it's a bigfoot. They see a bigfoot. And it's got these piercing yellow eyes, and they're chasing it. They're running after it. They're chasing it. They're just like, hey, they just fucking sprint. Tom has a <laughs> like... gun. <laughs> Tom has a gun. This thing's uh, this thing, of course, man. Tom doesn't go anywhere without packing heat. This thing is up in the trees, and he sees these yellow eyes, and he fucking loads his gun, shoots it. Nothing happens. The eyes are gone, and he hears a giant thud, and then there's another pair of yellow eyes on the ground. So he shoots that twice. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> They're searching, searching, searching. They give up. The next day, they go out there and look. And they're like, we. They all saw it, so they're like, there has to be some sign of life yeah. that something was something. Here. And uh, they found one footprint. Uh, and believe it or not, they would compare it to a velociraptor with a triangular heel <laughs> and two claws in the dirt. That's awesome. Doesn't sound like Sasquatch. It, it and, does. It's like a Sasquatch with like chicken feet. And then about forty feet away, there's another one, and those are the only two prints that they found. And Tom, as we said, he's an expert marksman. He, they actually talk about it. He has shot a wolf from 500 yards away, dead center in the chest. And at this point, he was about 20 yards from this thing. And he hit it twice and nothing. No blood, no fur, <laughs> nothing. Literally uh, nothing. Classic Skinwalker Ranch tale. Now we get into an even more ridiculous story. Yep. They just keep ramping up. So at this point in time, uh, I, I, I will admit, if you read this book, I skipped over a few stories just because a lot of them are kind of repetitive. Yeah, it's just a lot of the same 
sort of thing with like a little differences here yeah. and there. And it, this, like I said, it's like a lot of stuff happens yeah. with the same things, but it's never the same story exactly. And at this point in time, uh, this is about April or May of 1997. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cattle had actually, it's become so common that they break through the fence post and go on like a stampede mm-hmm. that... Even though Tom lives 25 miles away, he stashes horses on Skinwalker Ranch simply for this case. Because, like, the past couple times it's happened, he had to get in his truck, go back to his house, hitch up the trailer, put a horse in it, and drive back 20 minutes just to go after the cattle. So now he can just do it all here. Yeah. And um. But that also means he has uh, uh, a horse at Skinwalker Ranch, which is never a good thing. No, and there's a lot it's, of horses that have died, too. I'll cover that in a second. Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't want to have anything here. Um, okay, so they break out of their pen, right? And they run towards the neighbor's field, which is uh, where they grow alfalfa. Mm-hmm. And this panics Tom, because uh, I learned something also from reading this. Uh, apparently, alfalfa, when it's blooming in the spring, um, if cows eat it, it can kill them because it builds up gas in their stomachs. And then they can't get rid of it, so they just like bloat to death. And they, do cows fart? Uh, not they. Can, I mean, I guess they can, but not not, not, not enough. enough to like get rid of this. It's like when you give like a gerbil like soda, it'll kill it because like they can't. <laughs> it's just like a well-known thing. Like you can't give this gerbil soda. You can't if you give hamsters and gerbils I'm, soda. I'm learning something new too, man. They can't I mean, burp so that the carbonation will like suffocate them from the inside. Well, who would have ever thought of that? I don't know. Somebody did. Somebody <laughs> so knew. Fucking Jesus. But ah. Apparently, cows uh, cows feel the same way, and um, so he, him, and Tad hop on the horse, and they're running. And they spot this red orb now. It's similar to the blue orb, but now it's red. It's boiling red. Ah, yes. And it's it's weird. It's kind of following them. They don't pay it any mind. He gets them out of the alfalfa field, and they're coming back. As they're coming back, the herd, he described, Colm Kelleher describes it as the parting of the Red Sea. This herd of cattle split off into two completely separate camps, around an invisible object in this field. And they're panicked. They're circling each other. They're chasing their tails. They're running around. They're freaking out, and they will not step foot in the center of this field. And whatever it is, it's invisible, but it appears to be moving because the cows are separating based on where this invisible thing is going. So does it kind of look like a school of fish with a shark, like, moving kind around of, yeah. in it? Yeah. So they're freaking out. Um, it takes Tom about two hours to get them out of this. And he finally figures out what he's going to do is he's going to take them up east and around this spot and then take them back. So it would be it would add a lot of time to his trip, but then he doesn't have to fight with them like going back and forth. Yeah. So he finally gets them about a hundred yards closer to the field when these red orbs appear again. And there's two of them now, and they're zooming back and forth. It one of them goes right past Tom's horse. Freaks the horse out, right? Horse mm-hmm. is freaked out. Um, they're up like near this canyon. There's a big like divot into a river, and he's like, "This is not good. We have to move fast." And he notices that uh, these orbs are like circling the cows. They're coming in very close to their head, and circling them, and it, they're hurting these cows. They're pulling them away mm-hmm. from where Tom is trying to take them. 
and it's pulling them up this canyon right to the edge of the cliff. And Tom is freaking out. He's riding his horse. A, the red orb comes back, flies right into his horse. The horse kicks Tom off, fucking sprints away, and falls into the canyon. Tom's pissed. The horse is okay. <laughs> Tom has every reason to be pissed his entire life. The horse is okay. The horse starts making its climb up the canyon back to Tom. But the cows are not so lucky. Because Wait, the, the horse just, like, supermaned off this thing? It well, it, like, landed? ran itself, and then, yeah, I guess it, it stumbled and it saved itself. Um, that horse is really the supernatural part of this story. These red orbs are herding these cows right off the edge of the cliff, and the entire herd of cattle fall off the cliff and into the river. Now, only about four cattle actually died from this fall, but about nine to ten of them have broken legs, and another 13 to 14 of them simply just cannot move because they're stuck under a pile of cows. This Tom, is literally of biblical proportions. Tom like the, is, <laughs> this is furious. <laughs> Tom is absolutely furious at this point. They're freaking out. It takes them forever. After a couple days, they finally get all the cows back, and they're back in the pen, and it's just like, man, this is too much. This is too much. So the NIDS team, they're talking to Tom, and they're... They're like, man, they've all had their own weird experiences. They've all seen shit. Uh, they've all experienced, um, like, weird stuff. Like, even dogs kind of reacting to weird shit. Um, and then the one thing that they talk about a lot was they actually called out two vets to uh, look into some of the cattle mutilations. It's ridiculous. They call out the vets, and they show them the body. And the vet, he's like a, a brand new vet, like a young guy. And he right away is like, there is no like a possible... veterinarian. Yeah, 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 a yeah. veterinarian, not like a war vet. At first I was like, a war guy? That doesn't no, no, make no. any sense. And the, he immediately, the young doctor is like, this. there's no way a human being did this. Like, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way. And then the senior guy comes in and he says, well, it, it's not extraterrestrials. It's done by a human. We see this, you know, we don't know how it's done, but it's definitely done by a person. And they're all like, "That's that sounds very fishy." It's like, how do you, how can you like be sure that it's done by a person? But then we have no idea how they do it. And the senior, uh, it's like the senior doctor pulls the younger one aside, and they have a little conversation. And then they come back, and they both agree that it's done by people, and they leave. And what they talk about, listen here, Sonny, what <laughs> your makes, internship is nothing if you don't agree with what me. What makes on this. sense though, uh, George Knapp brings it up. He says that uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like you wouldn't put your reputation on the line for something that you can't explain, you know. And you know, out in Utah, there's a lot of farmers and ranchers and stuff. You want to be a good veterinarian, and if they hear you talking about aliens cutting up cows, they might not want to do business with you. So it's more of a saving your saving face type of move than anything. Excellent safe face move, but. Hacks and uh, I'll hack veterans. In part three, I will talk more and about uh, individuals that actually did put their career on the line to investigate things like this. But um, at this point, they're coming up with a lot of in a lot of good information, a lot of things to bring back to Robert Bigelow. But the problem is, is that they have no concrete evidence of anything. There is not a single thing that they can point to and say. 
we've explained this, this is what it is, and this is how it happened. It's also intermittent and consequential, and there's nothing of substance that they can bring back in any form of, like, scientific method, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then um, one day they're standing outside, and Tom and Alan are there, and they're all chatting, and they have a magnetic, uh, it reads, like, the magnetic field, and this thing starts going nuts right next to Alan. Like, off the charts, nuts. And they're freaking out. Ellen leaves, and the spot follows. And then when she comes back, it's gone. So they're like, this is weird. Um, It's very weird. Then, believe it or not, the NIDS team and Tom see uh, the Predator monster once more. They encounter it again. And this time, they see it. he's in his truck, and he sees the blur again in the woods sprinting mm-hmm. through. Yeah, blurry what, man. What Tom does... He, I also forgot to mention this. He did this when the cows were in the alfalfa field as well. He noticed that um, when these weird things were happening, even though he couldn't see what was going on, his compass would go crazy, and it would not point in the direction he was facing. It would point in the direction of the object. Yeah. So it did the same thing uh, with the thing in the center of the field. That's how he knew it was moving, which I should have explained that, but I didn't. The magnetic fields are crazy here. Yeah, and uh, this predator monster also had the exact same thing. Hmm. And they're, at this point, it's just like, man, we don't know what to do anymore. We just don't understand. And then um, one final thing that the NIDS team encountered there with uh, Tom. Well, Tom related to them. He he was there by himself. Yeah. Um, He noticed that his cows were once again going wild in the pen. And um, he walks over there and there's an animal in there. And he looks at it, and it looks like a hyena. It's, like, spotted. It's got a elongated fur body, but it has a very bushy tail. So okay. he's like, it's not a hyena. Maybe it's a fox. He looks at its head, and it's got the face of a dog. And he's like, this isn't a fox either. And it weighs somewhere between 200 and 250 pounds. So he's like, we don't know what the fuck this is. Jesus Christ. It's going after the cows. Then it's going after the horses. Now it's nipping at the horse. And as Tom said, he was like, this thing could kill my horse with no problem. But it was doing something very similar that the blue orbs did with the dogs. And that was, it's just kind of nipping at its leg. It's not biting it, but it's getting close enough to bite it. Mm-hmm. And then kinda pulling just, back. Just antagonizing. And then as Tom ran up to it, it looks at Tom, sprints off, runs through the fence, and disappears over the ridge. He chases it again, just as he did with the wolf, and it vanishes into thin air. No footprints, nothing. Um, three other individuals have seen the same animal around the Gorman Ranch. Like neighbors? Neighbors, townsfolks, they've reported the same weird hyena, fox, dog thing. Yeah. And uh, nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows why it's there. Maybe it's a furry. It could be. You never know. Mm, yeah. And a guy my size doing a furry thing. I'll tell you what. This is... This is where I'm going to stop for now. Yeah. Because it where it goes from here, I'll, I'll give you a little insight into what's going to come next. Mm-hmm. We are going to join the NIDS team as they investigate other areas around the country. We're going to visit a very familiar face in one of our episodes, uh, the location-wise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not Santa Claus. No, 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 no. We are going to visit a location that we've taken you to before on the show, 
and uh, two to three others that we have not. And they share very similar things to Skinwalker Ranch. Um, we talked to a lot more. They talked to like a lot more individuals that have seen stuff. And honestly, at this point, Tom's experiences are all but gone. Uh, the ranch is very much simmered down. And they've kind of gotten to a point where the NIDS team is questioning themselves. Um, this comes a little bit later in the book, but it comes at the end of the Gorman story. Mm-hmm. And this is where they say that perhaps Tom was right, that the less obtrusive we are, the more evidence we'll be able to gather. Yeah. Because they go to these other places and they talk to people from the 50s until the late 90s when this took place. And they've experienced things very similar themselves, but they just can't capture it on any electronics. Yeah. They just can't do it. Which might go back to why, uh, when I was asking, like, why they might avoid light. Like, maybe they appear in broad daylight in certain times where they know that they won't be captured in, like, documentation-wise, you know. Mm-hmm. But then at night, like, they they can't see. So also, like, if there's light flashed on them, like, they don't want that uh, interfering with them being so, uh, you know, uncapturable. Documentarian. Yeah style so uh there, there's one more thing i'm gonna wrap up the gorman's story here okay yeah we are gonna jump around a little bit because this comes a little bit later but next week we're gonna it's gonna be very informational about things that you might find intriguing and then we'll part four we'll get into a lot of the theories that surround this but uh to wrap up the gorman's story here they set up cameras uh 24 7 surveillance cameras around the exterior of the homestead And what they did is these sat there for three months. So it is, again, August of 1997. Mm -hmm. And one day Tom calls and says, you guys got to get out here right now. Two of the cameras were disabled. Now, what they talk about is they were attached to a steel rod that was stuck in the ground. Inside the steel rod was uh, extremely tough duct tape that taped the wires together, Mm -hmm. taped them to the steel rod, and then the the steel rod was inserted into PVC pipe and then taped to it again and stuck in the ground. Two of the cameras were completely pulled out of the ground. The PVC pipe was bent in half. Uh, all of the duct tape was ripped off. All of the wires were exposed. So they even go into fine detail of explaining how hard it is on a summer day to pick duct tape off of a wire. <laughs> and it's very intricate. I yeah. will not lie. It's very difficult. And this all happened. And they're looking around. They're panicking. They're panicking. The camera that faces these two cameras that were disabled is still on. It's recording. Mm-hmm. They're like, yes, we got it. Whatever this is, this shit is on camera. They rush it back. The timestamp says 8.30. And... The nothing appears. Nothing happens. The camera goes dead. They don't see anything. It's invisible. Nothing happens. They eventually enhance the footage so much that they're zoomed in on the camera to the point where they could see the red light turn off and know that the camera was disconnected from the wire, but there's nothing on the camera. There's nothing there. It's invisible. And that was when they were just like, you know what? We can't. Like, there's, <laughs> we can't. What the they're like we're done we can't like we cannot do this and well i'll i'll kind of recap that again next week but i I did want to uh i wanted to throw that out there to say that uh this little 
it hey, comes to a back. Tom Gorman story. Does not really have a super happy ending. Because uh, very that, unsatisfying. That was like the it's... last answer he got. <laughs> yeah. Everything after that was information, theories, and stories from other individuals, and no real solid answers, minus a few interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is the Gormans. Uh, what did you get? What did you guys think about that? I I just talked for like forty minutes. Well, like I said, it's it's extremely uh, uh, dissatisfying. No, it is. It's like all right. Well, we we just went through all this shit. This guy literally sold his property and then came back to work on it and was reporting back to all these people over this course of years trying to see what, like, fucking derailed his life of just just trying to be a rancher, just trying to live his fucking life. And it it just ends with, well, uh, it's literally impossible to know. It's like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) It reminds me of the, the famous quote, probably said a lot, you know, when it comes to researching things like this. From Mark Twain, that you know, what is it? Actually, I can't even remember what it is. Jesus, man, I don't come even on! Know what this quote is? Reality is stranger than, than fiction. fiction. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what it is. I actually don't know. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't think of it. Sorry, it's been a long day. It is. And uh, it's, yeah. it, it's weird. It's weird. I'm gonna uh, bite my some tongue. Weird stuff here. I, I'm going to bite my tongue on this because we'll get into speculation uh, probably in episode four. Is Bigfoot Mark Twain? I'm. I will tell you this: if you guys enjoyed our Bigfoot episode, I'm going to discuss Bigfoot for about another 20 minutes next week because there's a deep. There history is a pretty big section lore, in the book, and it relays back heavily to what we're going to talk about next week. It's true, and there's going to be a lot more alien talk, a lot more, lots. And I want you guys to also know this: I'm going to announce this here for the world to see. I have recently purchased another book. What's that? Uh, Communion by William Shriver. This is the first time hearing of this. And we're going to do an episode or two on that. It is ridiculous. It is. I was reading. I look forward to hearing about this. It is intricate details of what happens upon alien abduction. Intricate details, like horrifying details. (laughs) Okay. But uh, we'll get. It sounds into, good to me. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. get into aliens next week. We're gonna get into a couple more cryptids. We're gonna get into Bigfoot. Yeah, all of it surrounding skinwalkers. Oh yeah, we're not so, leaving the ranch just because the the saga of Tom Gorman might be done does not mean he won't reappear and there won't be more things to talk about. Tom Gorman is not this story. No, mm, it's the property. So, one more thing I'd like to add: <laughs> How many cryptids were in this story so far? Oh, uh, well, are we counting orbs? Sure. Individually? Or, okay, okay. How about just strange phenomena? Yeah. We got the refrigerator UFO. We got, yeah, refrigerator, mm-hmm. we got the cigar UFO. The Yeah, uh, cigar, the stealth bomber, the Mexican stealth hat. Stealth bomber, Mexican hat. We the got, blue um, orbs. Yeah, the blue orbs. We got that, uh, the yellow, yellow-eyed. Uh, Bigfoot uh, monster. Bigfoot Sasquatch. Predator monster. Predator monster. The wolf. Wolf. The uh, hyena. There's also a bunch of uh, uh, poltergeist activity. Yep, I'd count um, that. The hyena monster. I feel like the different colored orbs get their own yeah, section. Yeah, blue, so like, blue and red. And then and there's then, uh, orange, the orange dimensional uh, plane. The black shadow. No, no green, though. No green. The black shadow. No oh, purple, yeah. either. Yeah, I the mean. guy who crawled out of one of the orbs. You guys, you guys don't even understand. 
what's going to come next week. I really, I'm going to tell you as soon as this is done because you're not, <laughs> you're not ready for what is going to happen. Oh uh, yeah, week. you're farther in the book than I am. But. It's uh, it, it's going to be a wild ride. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. It's going to be um, cool. The saga of Robert Bigelow is not done. The Nids team is not done, and uh, neither is Colm Kelleher or George Knapp. There's still. They're kicking. There's still oodles of information that we have to cover. And initially when we started this, we thought maybe a three-part episode. The book is divided into three parts. And then I read... But they're enormous. I read part two uh, this week. And me and Jake were texting last night. And it turned into like, yeah, we could do this. And then after I read it all, it was like, there's no way You're this like, is a full episode. I'm going to be honest, Jake. I don't think we can do this. Yeah, it's <laughs> I was like, like, okay. I don't think we fine. can. Yeah, maybe maybe five yeah. episodes, maybe seven. No, it's four. Four is yeah. good. It honestly, depending on where it goes, we might do three if it, it'd be like a big episode. Yeah, I mean, but it, I kind of yeah. I don't know. I personally, I'm doing this a uh, little test. I like the shorter episodes. I like like an hour. I like to, an to hour keep it manageable. 20, yeah, where it's digestible. It's you know, oh, you could drive. Whenever I listen to back. podcasts, if it's like over an hour and a half, it's like, do yeah. I really have time for this? And it, there's so much that gets thrown at like at the listener in this. It's like I don't want to, I don't want to make it so much that they're like, wait, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. It's like even relaying some of this, it's hard because it's like there's so much. And then there's stuff that I leave out that is almost unnecessary, but then it also, like, you kind of can't leave it out because it comes back. It's yeah. like, you, there's no skipping. It's all just, we have it to all just needs dump to it be all there. out. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. So that, that was anyway, Skinwalker 2. Yeah, part two. How about I, that? It's pretty good, man. We got at least two more uh, on the docket. It's going to be good. But uh, I would, I, uh, I want to take some time here at the end to uh shout out a another podcast of a friend of ours oh yeah that uh yeah he talks about sports that kind of thing just uh, the yeah. current events uh the the podcast is called sport talks with jay lee dude our friend justin dude he's, he's a awesome good dude he's, he's a good, good dude, dude. he's remember, very supportive of us i remember we were uh where were we were we at like the the hookah bar or something with him one time friends yeah, friends of the hookah bar, dude. That guy, it was so funny. I, we were just like messing with that guy. He was so funny. He's Justin's a good time. awesome, man. He's a good time. Good I, man, uh, good podcast. If you're uh, really into sports and up to the current uh, current things going on in sports, he is the man to talk to. Hell yeah, about them. Listen to his podcast. We talk about fantasy football enough to where you might be interested in yeah. something else. There we you go. Know. Come on. We don't know. We just simply do not know what you guys want. From we have us. no idea. We're just doing what we want. It's a mystery, just like the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It all ties back, right? Hell yeah! Everything is just something else. So that's uh, that's where we're gonna leave it tonight, y'all. Um, we will be back next week with another. Uh, oh, if you can believe it, a more ridiculous uh, uh, event. It's, it's, it keeps ramping. It's just, it a, just this is a insane. ramp episode series episode three will be the grand finale of the stories and then four we're, will we're be... just saying we're going to do a part four because i think we will uh that'll be all we'll about better, uh, speculation yeah. looking back and uh possible theories scientific evidence and what's been proposed by uh, a lot of academia people around the globe things yeah. of that nature yeah so at least two more going on here it'll take us uh, right to december eh 
Yes, when Mo yeah. gets into the Christmas spirit. The Christmas chronicles of cults that <laughs> we're starting. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't know. know, man. I really don't. I don't Santa know. Claus. Either way, man. But uh, yeah, so that's the end of this episode. We are starting a cult. We love you all very that's, much. Yeah, Thanks for Grant listening. Who loves you? That's Mitch kissing you, and I'm Jake. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.